0: Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Gang, the April Uncharted conference is sold out, but did you know you could watch it from the comfort of your own home? You totally can. All you have to do is be a member of Uncharted and you can watch the live stream, right? That's right. Kicking off the first day live from Greenville, South Carolina on Thursday, April 23rd. You'll see my opening remarks. It'll be me kicking off the conference. Friday the 24th, we have Dr. Betsy Charles doing a live stream. Her keynote talk is called Embrace a a Reset to Resilience. I'll be coming right after her with one of my workshops. It's called Leading with Your Voice. How to get groups to listen. This is the first time I've ever done it. I am going to be Doing 100 minutes on public speaking, effective public speaking to get your staff to listen to you, to get groups of pet owners to listen to you, to do video presentations, whatever you want to use it for. I'm going to be breaking down public speaking for the veterinarian who wants to project to an audience. And so I'm going to be doing that, and you can watch it live. Dr. Adam Little is coming after us, uh, he's in the live stream as well. We've got a couple of choose your own adventure sessions, which obviously get made up at the conference, so you'll get to see them, but I can't tell you what they are yet because we haven't made them up yet. After that, mic drops. The next morning, Sanani Ratnayaka, who is incredible, amazing, wonderful, inspirational, is going to kick off as she'll be live streaming her talk. It's called Hashtag Engage Your Clients with a Cohesive Brand Story. Bill Schroeder, who, who's an incredible digital strategist, is going after her. Vicki Hammond, who you probably don't know, she is a marketing genius. Uh, she's a, uh, a consultant. She works with a variety of small businesses across industries. She's going to be talking about how to act lawfully large and be small. And then we've got more mic drops. And guys, that's just the live stream of the April conference. All the other workshops are going to be showing up in the online school. We'll have watch parties where the speaker will be available to answer your questions that will be coming after the conference is over. So we space them out so you can see everything in a reasonable time frame. You'll have full access to our community, full access to our school, full access to our intensive courses, full access to our webinars, full access to our group chats. If you're a practice owner, you'll have uh, full access to our our practice owner group and practice owner functions which are online you will also get to see the live stream and the uh, school sessions for the get shit done conference that's coming in october that's right you get to live stream that conference as well because you'll be a member for a whole year and so that's included as well plus our previous conferences are in the school you can go back and see those There's tons of tons of tons of tons of stuff but You want to be a member, and you want to be a member before the uh, April conference kicks off. So go ahead, head on over, be a part of the wind-up, get fired up, get excited for the conference, unchartedvet.com, get your one-year online membership, and get active in the community. It is wonderful. It is vibrant. It is supportive. You will be so, so glad you did. I hope to see you there. Now, let's get into this episode.
1: And now... The Uncharted Podcast.
0: And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. You could have had a bad bitch non committal to help you with your career, just a little goss.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. Hi. How's it going, Andy? It's pretty,
0: it's pretty good. It's pretty good.
1: <laughs> oh. Oh, oh man, I can't. <laughs> oh, how are things for you? How are things at the clinic? <laughs> they're, they're good.
0: They were a uh, big renovation at our clinic, which has been going on mm. forever. I can't find anything. Like, we're back into <laughs> this bill, and like, you know, all the things have been moved, and we just it's a massive expansion. And so right now we have all these empty drawers and cabinets and I'm like, what are we going to put in all this place, you know, and in a week, it'll be like, where do we get all this crap? Like that, that's, that's what we're headed towards.
1: Yeah.
0: But that's yeah, really life at the clinic is good. I saw this dog yesterday that is some sort of a doodle thing and it was living behind a dumpster at the Burger King and these people saw it and they saw it multiple times there and, Uh, the dog is sweet and they, but they, they kind of lured the dog and, and got the dog and the dog doesn't have a microchip or anything. And they brought this poor matted beast in and -hmm. they love that dog. Just, and it's just, I'm like, you can just, you can just tell this is going to be a great dog. You just tell, I was like, oh man, that made my whole day. So anyway, life is good.
1: Good. Yeah. How about you? That's good. Life, uh, life. It's good. Um, the clinic is crazy busy. We, um, we're we getting ready. I'm very excited. Uh, it's the season, as we rapidly approach graduation, it's the season of new grads. And I'm very excited because my practice um, has two doctors that are about to join us in the next few months. One is um, been out of school for the last year. And then the other is a brand new grad who is graduating from WSU here in Washington. In uh, May and so we're super excited to have uh, two new doctors coming on board. So we're you know just in that that stage where we're uh, cleaning all of the things and organizing and putting together our plan and getting the whole team kind of prepped and ready to go so that when they get started we can kind of hit the ground running. So um, it's a busy busy time and we're trying to think ahead proactively to the insanity of summer which will be here before we all know it so right good good deal man cool what do we got today um i'm excited about this one because i think it's i think it's an kind of an easy one i think when when we both looked at it we thought oh this will be a really quick episode but i think it's really something important to talk about um so we got an email um, from someone who was, um, wondering what to do. They have a, they actually have a handbook, which made me super happy. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've had this handbook. They re redid it completely about three years ago. And so, um, they have in their handbook, a policy about vacation. And, um, when they redid their handbook three years ago, everybody got a copy of the handbook and, um, they are, since making some changes and some updates to some of the policies. And they have a team member who is really struggling with um, change to their vacation policy. And the team member's opinion is, You gave us this handbook. You said these are the policies. You can't change them. Um, and this uh, practice manager was like, Hey, I feel like I was proactive here. In our handbook, we actually do have verbiage that says, um, you know, new copies will supersede this current copy or policy. What do I do with this employee? Who's like, nah, I signed saying this was the policy and you're not going to ever change it on me. Um, and so I think this is a really good one.
0: It's definitely a good one. It's a really good one. All right, cool. So let's look at both sides of the table to start off with. Um, the, do you feel like management has a case here when they say we uh, we updated the policy and this is this is new and we put it in writing and we, our previous handbook said new versions will supersede the old versions
1: yeah hundred percent and and there are some caveats to that and some things to think about and, and you know does your handbook say that would be one of the very first things that I would ask but yeah I think that um, I think that they' they totally can and the question is just, How do they go about doing it that can make all All of the difference?
0: Does the employee have um, good grounds for her uh, feelings of, you said this was the vacation policy and I came to work here with the belief that this was the vacation policy and now you're changing the vacation policy and that feels like a bait and switch to me. Is that um, legitimate feelings?
1: Sure. I think the feelings are legitimate, whether or not it's, um, practical or, um, right is from a, from a business perspective is a whole other story. Like legally, I feel like everything that this practice has given us information wise says, yes, you can go ahead and do it. The employee feeling angry or frustrated or uh, taken advantage of, or any of those things all totally valid. And, And I think that that's part of what you have to consider from a practice owner perspective, practice manager perspective, when you tackle changing policy, because in this instance, I think you're talking about vacation time. That is something that it feels very personal to people. And so when things feel personal, there are feelings involved.
0: Right. Well, this is going to be an interesting episode. You and I might, <clears throat> might be in different places on this. Um, <laughs> let's, yeah, um, uh,
1: when that happens, it's
0: so fun. Yeah, you and I might be <laughs> in different places on this. So, um, so, okay, so, so tell, there's two. There's. Me,
1: you those questions? Sorry, Sagan. You answer those two questions. Do you think? Do you think that the business is uh, in the right to make changes to their policy?
0: Yeah. So I think that the business is legally uh, has done everything correctly. Yes, I think that the employee is 100% justified in how she feels. Um, And I think she has a very, very valid complaint. And that's what I, so yeah, so where you and I are going to, I think, split here is you like to look at the book and say, this was done correctly by the book. And I kind of look at this and go, "Ah, you know, the book matters in its way, but there's other stuff that matters a lot more, and I'm not sure that that was handled the way that we want to handle it, right? So I think there's two pieces of policy change. There is the letter of the law, and there is the communication of the change, and that's where I think that the problems come in. And so so that... That's where I think that's where you and I are going to get into this a bit, and so there's two questions is, is the handbook done correctly, and was the policy changed correctly there? And I would say the answer seems to be yes. Uh, was this communicated correctly <clears throat> based on what we're seeing i I think we missed a trick or two. Um, but that's okay. we're, we're going to fix it.
1: I love it. I love All right, it. Cool.
0: Okay, so let's dig into it. Okay, cool. Do you want to start off with the policy? So policy
1: change. Can I start? Yeah, please. (laughs) So yes, the answer, the overarching answer is yes. As a practice owner or practice manager, you absolutely can change policy. And there's a handful of things that you should think about and work your way through when you are going to change policy. But from a legal perspective, the answer is yes. As an employer, you absolutely have the right to change your policies. The important, important caveats are, you need to have things in writing and you need to have certain, um, certain aspects of the change outlined correctly, but you absolutely can change the policy. So the number one thing that I start with from an HR perspective is what does your handbook already say? And so in this instance, um, this manager actually sent us the piece out of their manual and said, you know, this. Um, employee manual is a tool designed to inform you about the relationship you have with our hospital and it supersedes in all respects and without exception any prior policies benefits or practices of our hospital whether written or not it's the responsibility of the employee to be familiar with and abide by the entire employee manual so they very clearly have stated this this handbook contains our policies it's your responsibility as an employee to know what's in it and we also have the right to update this and have the updates um, supersede any prior policies or practices that we have in place, which is smart. So if your handbook does not have um, uh, ad- information about advanced notice of policy change um, or policy change in general, you need to have a clause in your handbook that states that you can change or modify your policies Um at any time and how you go about doing that. So thats
0: that's number one. The policy updates, like as, as you said, are are done well. You do need to absolutely have this in writing. And there's no question, no doubt about it what your policy is. You do need to be able to change that policy. And we yep. change that policy for a million reasons and they're not bad, you know, greedy reasons. It's things like, hey, some of our policies when we have six employees, are not going to be the same policies we're going to have when we have 36 employees or yeah. uh, when we have three doctors instead of one doctor or a million yeah. or when we're doing really well financially versus when we're not doing really well financially and we're trying to avoid laying people off like right. things change. And so policies have to change, not just because, oh, I yeah. feel like, it. like there are reasons that the people running the business have to be able to adjust their policies based on the world and where we are and what's going to work for everybody at that time. That said, one of the things that I see that's often a problem is that people say it's in the handbook. So that's all that matters. Or there's language in the handbook that says this can be changed. The handbook in a lot of ways is like the terms of use that you click on on your iPhone, you know, or on iTunes, or when you get a Gmail account, <laughs> it is. You know what I mean? Like, let's be honest. From the from your oh. staff's perspective, <laughs> Stephanie is like shaking. She's laughing because she's that is, angry.
1: That is a knife in my manager heart. <laughs> I knew it is, and I said
0: I well, you and I are going to come down on different places here, and I know you hate this. I know you hate this. This is managing people. This is true. They don't care what's in the handbook. It needs to be in the handbook. It needs to be clearly in the handbook. They will use the handbook against you a hundred percent. You know, they will say (laughs) the handbook says this, and they will use it against you for sure. But it is not their guiding, you know, principle book. They do not innately respect what's in the handbook as law, and they don't keep up with you know, necessarily the changes that you make there. It really is like, come on, how often do we get emails from companies that we deal with all the time or our credit card companies updating the terms of service? Do you read that? You know, like if they said, if you called them and you were angry and you had a problem and they said, it's in our terms of service, are you going to be like, hey, you know what? You're right. There it is. I see it now. My bad. (laughs) not going to not going <laughs> to happen you know what i mean and your employees are the same way and i just think it's important to 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 know that this really changing policy really is a two part operation and the first part which seems to have been done well here is the technical part update the handbook you know get it in like get it in writing get it laid out be super clear but the next part is especially with vacation and we'll talk about why that's a little different later on but especially right. with that you have got to communicate it to them in a way that they hear it, uh, especially if it's something that's going to affect them. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. So, yep. so that, that's kind of that's where my head's at is when we talk about the, the written policy. It does, for a lot of the staff, it's like updating your terms of service on your credit card or your iPhone. You click the accept box and you go on with your life and you're like, I hope that was good. And yeah. you don't really care about it until you have a problem. And then, when you have a problem, you don't want to hear about the terms of service.
1: I, I, I don't. Uh, as much as that's like a knife in my poor manager heart, I don't disagree with you, and it's a hundred percent true. And it, you totally hit it on the head when you said it's like, you know, when Google sends you the update to the terms of service, nobody reads that. Nobody oh, reads it's like it. The important and,
0: security <laughs> update, and I'm like, delete.
1: Right. Exactly. That that email goes in the garbage. So. Before we move on to the other piece, which I think we actually may agree on more than you think, um, which is the personal piece of it, how do we do the, deal with the people from a from a um, legal perspective, I think, and from an HR perspective, there's, um, there's one other upfront important caveat that I would say, and this affects a lot of us. Um, and if it doesn't affect you yet, it, I think at some point in the future, it will. And that is um, from a legal perspective. If you are in a state where there is unionization of your technicians, um, you need to make sure that, um, it's not something for a long time that we had to think about from, um, a private practice perspective, because most of us were small businesses and it didn't apply to us. And the concept of that was very foreign, but, um, we are seeing the unionization of, uh, veterinary nurses happen more frequently. And I think at some point in the future, there's potential for the unionization for our veterinarians as well. And so if you are in a state um, or managing in a state where that is already the case, you have to think about uh, collective bargaining agreements, which is part of what happens when you have union employees. And so know that you need to make sure that you are abiding by the rules legally, even more so than you need to when you're a private practice, if there are uh, unions in place.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I think that you and I both agree with, especially when you start talking about handbook for policies that dictate employee um, compensation, really, you know, the v- vacation package is kind of part of the compensation mm-hmm. package. Uh, you and I, I think, are both big advocates for you should have an employment lawyer that you deal with that you can touch base with. That will review yeah. your handbook and your policies. And that's, people hate it and they squirm and they go, he's going to charge me $2,000 to review right. my handbook. Probably is. Um, if you get it wrong, you're going to spend yeah. a lot more than that. And so yeah. that, that is a thing that, that you and I both, I think, uh, always always push for and be like, look, when you're talking about laying out policy like this, having an employment lawyer that you just, you know, you pay him by the hour. And you just once every year, maybe you engage with them to do some to do something, to review something, to review contracts, to do whatever. That is an investment that I think is worthwhile for sure. Especially 100%. Especially if you're dealing with any sort of union stuff. Like that's a no-brainer.
1: Well, and the reality is even something like taking a step back from the union thing, which is not on a lot of our radars, but should be because it's that you know, it's gonna it's gonna affect all of us at some point in the future. But our reality now Um, is that there, and this is a perfect example, because there are states that have state specific laws regulating payout for vacation time or paid time off um, on termination. That's a really great example of where there may be something specific to your state. Look, as a veterinarian, as a manager, you probably likely did not go to business school. There are a lot more of my managers who did go to business school now than there ever have been. But the reality is, you don't know what you don't know. And there are state rules at play on top of the federal rules that are um, at play here. And it is your responsibility as an employer to make sure that you don't screw this up. And so that is where a practice owner, as a practice manager, this is 100% something that you should throw money at and have um, an employment lawyer review all of your uh, policies and handbooks Um, changes before you put them into play because the last thing you want to do is try and do something that you are you are trying to do for what you feel like is the good of the business and in reality it winds up being very much to the detriment of your business
0: right absolutely so i agree with that okay so um get your policies reviews uh reviewed lay them out clearly um consider union situation if you're in a West Coast state and that's uh and that's and that's something that's on your radar. Um yep. okay cool. So you and I are, are definitely in agreement with all those things. That's where you start is yep. What is the policy? Are we stating the policy clearly can we legally do this? What do we need to yep. look out for? Is everything working the way that it should and the next part is the buy in part. Do you agree? Yep
1: hundred uh, mm-hmm. like,
0: percent. So the, the buying well,
1: part. Talk
0: about that part. Okay. Well, let's talk about that, that part. Um, what it looks like to me from the, the correspondence that we got is that the, um, do we know if it's a man, oh, it was a technician, right? That was, uh, that was unhappy with the policy.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it was someone at their front
0: desk. Oh, someone at the front desk. That's, it was someone at the front desk. All right. Let's call her, uh, let's call her Lauren. So, uh, so Lauren at the front desk, it sounds like Lauren at the front desk probably found this out when she wanted to go take vacation or when she ran out of vacation time. Do you agree that it reads that way?
1: Yeah, it reads like something happened, uh, where Lauren that where the change to the vacation policy impacted Lauren in a personal way. And that's when she lost her mind and was like, you can't change policy ever. That's right there.
0: I so and, and her reaction to me uh, really makes me think that that's what happened too. Right? People people don't tend to get violently angry. They can, but they don't tend to get violently angry when we talk in the theoretical. Like, hey guys, in the future, this is going to this is pro- where we're going to go, or this is what's going to happen. They generally they get violently angry when they they feel trapped they're like, I didn't know that I couldn't do this. And now I've already used these vacation days and I have something I'm committed to. And I was counting on them, you know what I mean? Or, or whatever. Like that's usually when people really get up in arms is when they're already in it and it's happening right now. We did, we did our, um, we did a podcast very recently on balancing compassion for the individual team member versus the needs of the practice and one of the things that we talked about there was how to, was the timing of changing policy of like, hey, something happened and we weren't prepared for it. And so we learned from that and we figured it out. The worst thing to do is wait until it happens again and then try to reintroduce or introduce new policy. It's like, nope, yeah. introduce policy when this is not an issue. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if that's a trick that we missed. It kind of feels like that to me. Um, uh, You know, I, I want to have the conversation about policy change and make it clear to the staff and take questions if they have them. But I want to do it when people care as little as they're going to possibly care, you know?
1: A hundred percent. And, and that, but the, on the flip side of it, and I think that this is where you and I actually may agree more than you think is that anytime you're making change to a policy that affects someone and vacation is a great example of that. Because unless your change to the policy is that you're giving them more vacation time, there is the potential for all of your team to take this personally. Because here is a benefit or here is, here is a financial reward that they have had and you're changing that. And unless you're 100% changing it in their benefit, there is going to be some level for someone where they take that very, very personally. And so no matter how you introduce that change, even if it's done with perfect timing, you're introducing a change that's going to affect them on a personal level. Someone's going to get hacked off about that. Like, even if it's, even if it's minor, someone is going to be irritated and you are going to hear about it at some point in time.
0: Yeah. You got to read the room and different policies affect people in different ways we're changing the vacation policy. That is a significant thing for everyone in the room. If we're right. changing the smoking policy and only Debbie smokes, that's a significant thing for Debbie. Nobody else gives a crap. You know, in fact, they're probably right. like, that's great. Debbie takes smoke breaks all the time. They're probably, they're probably loving it. Or, um, there's a, uh, grief policy for if a family member passes away. Um, right. you know, people are not, generally going to feel that right now they're going oh you know that's a that's a thing this feels different to me for sure because vacation falls into the category of compensation right when people take a job they look at what benefits do i get including vacation time is it paid vacation is it not vacation you know how much time do i get away i mean i know people i know veterinarians that took a job because they got three weeks of vacation as opposed to 10 days of vacation somewhere else. And they were like, I want that extra time off. It it, it does, it does matter. And just, it's funny, the wording of, of Lauren about like, this is what's promised and you can't change this. It it makes me, it it seems like this was obviously a big deal for her. Um, Right. And so this is sort of changing her compensation in her mind. That may have been a big thing that she really liked. Maybe she made the choice to come here and that was a big, piece of it and now the reason she came here was taken away i i I don't i don't know i don't want to vilify uh, vilify her and i think i think the real danger here right if this is not carried out the right way because it is this is a unilateral change to the compensation agreement you know if if my boss called me in and said annie we're gonna pay you ten thousand dollars less a year it's in the policy that I just wrote. I would tell him what he could do with this policy. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that's, I think that's the knee-jerk yeah, reaction sure. that, you know, it, it sure. is. It's like, it's the knee jerk yeah. flaming sword of justice springs right. to hand. That's yeah. not the deal that we made. And I don't give a crap what your handbook says. And so that's why I think I said, you know, I really, I feel what Lauren is saying. Like, I hear that, yeah. you know, um, again, again, well, I'm not not saying I don't agree with her statement that you can't change policy but right. I, I feel that you know I, I understand why she would feel that way and feel that way strongly.
1: For sure I think I think communication here is really key because you have a duty as an employer to communicate revisions to the handbook or to policies to your team and this is where I would say okay look you're not for the most part legally, You're not required to give advance notice of of most policy change. But from a human managing humans, which is the H of HR is humans, you know, when you're managing humans, it's always a good idea. Like the more lead time you can give people, the better. And the other thing that that can be good practice. Is when you're considering humans, sometimes you put a policy in place and sometimes you allow for a grandfather clause because you're dealing with real humans and you're impacting their lives. And so this may be a case where you say, okay, we're going to have, we need to have this policy change because X, Y, and Z. And maybe it's a change to laws. Maybe it's just a change that you've grown from one doctor to six. And now you have a hundred people that you're managing. And so times have changed. When you think about the people that are part of your team, this is where you really can say, okay, I recognize that this is going to impact you. And state that. Tell them that. Say I recognize that this it directly impacts you. So here's what I'm going to do to try and mitigate that change for you. I'm going to soften the blow a little bit. So maybe it's, you know, for the rest of this year, you let them stay as is. And next year, when they get their vacation time, the policy goes into effect. Or Um, you know, maybe there's some sort of grandfather clause for people who have been here for over 10 years. I don't know. This is where you get to decide what works for you and your humans. But the number one thing you cannot forget is that you are managing humans. And with that comes a huge burden on your part as an employer to overly communicate changes to your team. And if you can give them advance notice, you should.
0: Yeah. So, so just to be clear, when you say grandfather people in, you're not saying Lauren gets to keep the vacation that she's always had forever. You're saying this year, we are going to honor what we have done in the past and next year it's going to be different. So I just want to be real clear that that's that's what Steph was saying. I completely agree with that. That is a powerful thing, right? Cuz then you're making a concession. You're like I hear you, I understand. I am going to give you this year and you need to know that next year is going to be different. And honestly guys, that can be a huge deal for people, especially if this is if we're reading this situation where Lauren is feeling trapped uh, because and who uh, the first thing I'm going to do when I'm having, when I'm talking with Lauren is we got to figure out what's going on. Why are you feeling this way? Why are you saying this? Right. What specifically is the problem? And right. if there's something going on with her, she's made plans or blow it, whatever, we may honor our previous agreement for another year and then transition on to that. And that's just, that's a longer play. And, um, that's fine. You know what I mean? When we make policy changes to, for pet owners, um, people will say, Andy, we're, um, we're going to close on Saturdays. We're not going to be open on Saturdays or we're going to close for, uh, for lunch time to have staff meetings. I say, Mm -hmm. great. Start telling pet owners three months before you actually do it. You know, send them an email, put a sign up, do everything you can so that they see it before they have the, before it gets there. Because I want to minimize the number of pet owners that show up at my practice with their, uh, vomiting dog on Saturday morning to find the doors locked. Like that's, that's it. Um, same thing with communicating policy to our staff. If you're going to communicate policy to staff that they are not going to like, tell them as early as possible, give them before you actually make the policy change, tell them for whatever reason, guys, me saying, Hey, look, this crappy thing is going to happen in six months feels very different from this crappy thing is happening now. And just right. what, it I don't know, like it's, it's something about, t- and yeah. I mean, it is definitely a behavioral psychology thing. I can't remember what it's called, but there is something about time where the future just yeah. seems theoretical to us. And the present is immediate and terrifying. And so tell them as early as possible. And the other thing I would say to that is you got to give them the why you, you know, mm. this cannot be, yeah. I'm taking your vacation away because I am doing it because I'm your boss and I write the
1: policy. Right. That's right. bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think you have to. They have to understand the why. Even if they don't like it, they have mm-hmm. to understand it. And the other, the other trick um, that can be super helpful is, it, especially for my practices who are like, oh, we have a handbook and no one has touched that thing since nineteen ninety seven when it first got written by our lawyer. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to make massive changes or radical changes, this is an opportunity for you as a leader, whether you're a manager, or practice owner. Um, involve your team. Ask, ask members of your team to sit on a committee and go through it together and have their have their input. Ultimately, it may not change what you do or what you need to do from a business perspective, but having them bought in and involved in the process takes the pain away a little bit. And even if it doesn't take it away for Lauren, knowing that her peers were a part of this process and their voices were present at the table may make it a little bit of an easier pill to swallow than if i came in and said hey guys guess what i have decided to change all of these policies because the business is not the same as it was when we were a one doctor practice that feels significantly different than hey guys we've grown now we used to be one doctor and now we're six and so we are taking on the challenge of revamping our employee handbook i have asked um You know, Carol as the CSR lead and Andy as the associate vet, uh, you know, representative and Amanda as my um, tech team lead to participate in going through the handbook, reviewing all of our policies. Once we've done all that, we're going to have the attorney review it. Just know that these changes are coming. And the reason that we need to do it is because, you know, there's 36 of us now instead of six of us. So, you know, I hope you guys can understand that. That feels radically different than, hey, I'm your boss and I've decided that the business needs these changes, so here's your new handbook.
0: Yep, I agree. And the last part I would put into that, so we just said, tell them as early as possible, um, as far ahead as possible, give them give them the why um, and, and include them into that so they can see it. And then the last part um, I would say is, if there's anything positive that we're going to do, right? Um, if, if I can bundle this taking away with something positive, it's a much easier pill to swallow. If I'm going to reduce the amount of vacation time the staff gets, if I can bundle that with their quarterly bonus or an end of the year bonus or with staff raises, then you know what I mean? Like that's a easier pill to swallow. It's like, well, sure. I'm going to have two days fewer vacation next year, but I'm getting, you know, a dollar an hour more pay. So, you know, well, I'm six, one way, half dozen the other. It like that, that matters. It's just, just thinking about the presentation and trying to make it all work. If we're changing this policy because we've grown from six to 36 and I'm taking something away or there's going to be something that they're not going to like, are there things that we can do for them now? That we couldn't do when we had six, but we can do now that we have 36. Maybe there's more schedule flexibility. So maybe there's less vacation, but there's more schedule flexibility or it's easier to get time off, but there's less of it. And I I don't, it's going to be specific to your situation, but just think about, think about that and think about taking it away and and kind of be realistic. Put yourself again in their shoes and say, well, if someone reduced my vacation after I'd had it for three years, you know, taking something away from people, um, it, it triggers a lot of again sort of behavioral psychology tribal idea ideology. You know, like it. I saw something recently that was saying, you know, from how we feel, it hurts a lot more to lose than it feels good to win. And so, getting something feels good, losing something feels significantly worse. The impact of that is greater when we lose compared to when we gain. And so, know that taking something away from them. It is going to impact them negatively. When we look at vacation specifically, I very much do think of it as part of compensation. Like, especially if you have paid vacation, this is a perk of the job. And yeah, you're taking a perk of their job away. And we're going to need to talk about that. And they're going to, they are going to have strong feelings and, and you should be able to justify why that has to happen. And hopefully if they've bought in, they'll go along with you. And hopefully you can figure out ways to make it up to them and, you know what I mean? And, And they can, and they will stay on board.
1: Yeah. um, And I think I think the last piece in terms of communication for me is I this is the kind of thing where I, I tend to overly communicate and I try and do it with the whole team as much as possible to cut down on the telephone effect. So when there's a policy change or something like that, sitting down with the whole team and communicating your message at once to everybody the same way is the most powerful way to do it. Um, it's also a big scary, right? Because if you're standing up in front of your team and you're like, hey, here are these changes and Lauren gets hacked off and starts arguing with you in front of the team, that takes communication skills to um, navigate and to mediate that kind of conflict on the spot. And a lot of my practice managers and my practice owners in particular who are confrontation averse um uh, and who don't like confrontation or conflict, really get nervous about the idea of having those conversations, but it's okay. Um, and my suggestion for, for those people who are listening would be say to say to Lauren, I really want to hear what you have to say about this. I don't feel like right here and now is the appropriate space for me to be able to hear you. Let's table this conversation and when we're done with this meeting, we'll go up to my office and we'll sit down and we'll talk about this further because I really want to understand what you have to say. But it doesn't have to be a big come to blows kind of thing. If someone disagrees with you, they should be able to disagree with you and they should be able to be heard as long as they do it in a respectful way. And so this is where I would say use the tools in your tool belt. And if someone gets confrontational in front of the team, put a stop to it and say, I want to hear you. Let's take this. Out out of this meeting, um, and and continue on with with making sure everybody is still getting the whole message, and make that one person or those two people feel heard. Now, if the entire team is losing their minds, it presents you a great opportunity because you have all of them in the same space, and it may be like, oh, okay, we really need to talk about this, and talking about it with the group as a whole. But I would absolutely argue that it's far better to talk about it with the group as a whole than to play telephone and. Tell one person, hey, this has changed, and hey, this has changed, and hey, this has changed. They promise you no matter how good you are at communicating, the message is going to be lost in translation at some point down the line if you don't communicate it to them all the same way.
0: Yeah, that's exactly true. If you've got something delicate that you want to explain, you want to be the one who explains it. You want to think about how you're going to say it and how you're going to set it up and the justification that you're going to give. What you don't want is for you to explain it to someone and then they just cut out all the pieces that they don't like and just tell the meaty parts, you know, or the juicy parts. And, you know, when you say we're having to reduce vacation time because, um, one of our staff members has cancer and is to be away and we want to support her. It's amazing. But the next person who tells that story goes, Hey, do you hear we're going to lose our vacation time? Yeah, it sucks. Right. And, right. and the why is like, that just doesn't get mentioned. Um, and right. people go, what do you mean we're going to lose our vacation time? It's like, yeah, we just said, we just can't have it. And you go, that's not what I said at all. Yeah. You want to be the one who communicates it because you can control the message. you do not want someone else to relay sensitive information. The other thing is that you really want them to feel heard and have like, they have access to you and so you need to stand in front of them and say, this is what is going on. And you're right. If there's I think a lot of people really freak out and they're like, but our negative uh, Nelly is going to push back and he's going to get upset and say, well, you can't do this. Look, what do we do when there's an angry client in the lobby who's who has an audience? We get them out of there. Exactly yeah. right. We separate them. We get them in the exam room so we can talk to them. It's the same thing in your staff meeting, right? I, if there's someone who's who's upset or whatever, I want to deprive them of an audience, but I'm going to hear them. And so, yeah. hey, we our agenda is pretty tight for this meeting, but I want to hear you and I want to talk through this with you. Let's you and me meet in my office after this is over, and we can go through everything together. Yep. And that, ju- and that, you know, and that should should shut them down. If it's everybody. Then what? Uh, then what happened is we probably missed a trick, right? Yeah. Um, we probably missed a trick earlier on. We didn't do our pre-wiring. You know what I mean? We didn't talk to our sort of ringleaders ahead of time to sort of see what the what the temperature in the street was going to be. You know, we didn't. Right. We didn't. We shouldn't walk in and be blindsided and surprised by the reaction that we get from our team. Yeah. I mean, it could happen, so- but we try to minimize that
1: yeah no i i agree with i agree with that and so for me um in terms of bringing it full circle so we um you know we do do things right like if you're going to change the policy you're having you're having things reviewed you're looking at your handbook to see do you have permission to change the policies if you don't put it in there you're looking at things like the legal impacts you're having an attorney look over it Um, you're looking at the impact to the business from a financial or from a human resource perspective, you're looking at your state and federal laws, Um, you're looking at the team and asking, how can I get their buy-in? So you're involving other people from the practice when you're looking at this, especially on a large scale, um, to get the team's buy-in easier. Because like you you just mentioned, Andy, when you take the temperature and you get those change leaders involved it becomes easier um, at the end of the line when you have to stand up particularly if you're delivering bad news to them and not a policy that is changed that is going to impact them in a positive way mm-hmm. it's going to go over with far less risk if you've had their buy-in from the beginning yes. um, and then you know we talked about how to review it and making sure that you're communicating it and doing it with enough advance notice so that you're minimizing the impact to them as much as possible um, so that they have time to, to react. And vacation time is one of those ones where that is really um, often pretty impactful because, like, people have pre-planned vacations, you know. Like, you you mentioned something about, oh, well, this is going to, um, you know, Lauren's really feeling particularly impacted. Well, if you stop and think about it and look at the calendar, you know, maybe Lauren was planning a vacation that she hasn't put in for yet. and So now mm-hmm. she's worried about what's the impact is that going to be. Thinking as far ahead as you can and being willing to work with your team is always going to win you the most possible points. Um, when you remember that they are humans, they are a part of your team. You care about them, and so that requires us to be nimble and think quick on our feet um, and be flexible when we when we can. And then the last thing for me, from a manager perspective, involves again going back to legally, you need to have a signature, and so. So often I see practices where the only time they get um, commitment or consent from their team is when they revamp their handbook in their entirety. So I've never seen a veterinary practice handbook that didn't have a sheet either at the front of it or the back of it that says, hey, I've read this thing and I agree to abide by all the rules and everybody signs it. And for most practices, that's where it stops. It's a one and done and it goes into their handbook and or into their employee file and nobody ever thinks about it again. The reality is every time you're making significant or important policy changes or revisions, you need to be getting acknowledgement that the employees were informed of it. And so um, that's doing, it's doing several things. It's proving that the policy was communicated to them. And the wording of that is very important because you want to demonstrate that the employee received the policy and that they understand the change. And so um, this is where I've actually started doing things pretty significantly different differently than I did when I first started as a manager. When I first started as a manager, I tackled reviewing the employee handbook in its entirety once a year. And so the, like one of the first meetings of the year, the whole team would sit there for a staff meeting and we'd go through all of the policies and I'd read it and everybody would be bored to death, but I would say, okay, hey, everybody has now read it and everybody's going to sign off that they've received it. And that guaranteed that I caught those people who had fallen through the cracks over the course of the year. Maybe when they started, it was super chaotic and I forgot to get their acknowledgement sheet back for their file I get caught those people that fell through the cracks for me. But what I have started doing, because I now recognize like you, Andy, that when I get those terms of service updates in my email, I automatically delete them. (laughs) So now I actually, my handbook is actually very simple and my handbook includes the things that are pretty non changing for my practice. They're the like hard and fast, these are the rocks on which our practice is built. And then I have individual policy sheets for the things that are subject to change most frequently. And so I'll get a time off is a great example of that. I've pulled it out, it's a, it's a, it's own document. And every time it changes, then I only have to print that one page. And the backside of that is the acknowledgement piece and they sign off on it. I stick it in the copier. They get a copy that they signed it. I get the original for their file and it's made life significantly easier because when I'm making changes to those those policies or those practices, um, I only have to deal with that one thing. I'm not dealing with the massive 96 page handbook. Um, And so that's something that I've started doing that has made... Um, it's significantly easier for me to deal with as a manager.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, just a, just a trick that, uh, you might try, particularly if you're one of those practices who is thinking, well, we have a handbook and it's probably a hundred pages long and nobody's touched it since 1997, like revamp the thing. And then think about the things that might change as you go forward into, into the future.
0: Right. Okay. How do we have the conversation with Lauren now? Because this is where we are, so we've got our yep. our handbook and and our policy has been changed, and it's there, but she is still upset that we've made this policy change, and she's mad. Let's go have this conversation with her. <laughs> the first thing I'm gonna do, which you're gonna hate, I'm gonna put that handbook in the drawer and leave it there am <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah.
1: I, I don't I don't disagree with you, K okay, no, Y. Yeah.
0: I know how many people do we know who would walk in and open the, the handbook and point at the, at the area and be like, this is what it says. That is a recipe for disaster. Um, and a lot of people go, but Andy, I am right. And I go, you can be righteous or effective. Choose one, you know, you can be right and short a front desk person. Or you can be open to discussion and keep your front desk person possibly, you know, and, and make them happy even, who knows. But if we go in with the documentation in hand and we're like, read them and weep, <laughs> we are going, we're going to have a bad time and this conversation is going to go well. And they'll tell you where you can put your handbook, um, right. in, you know, quite often. So we're not going to do that. We're going to know that we have the handbook. We would know that legally we did everything right. You know that we are well covered and well documented, right? And that might get mentioned. I'm going to try not to mention it honestly because it's an "I'm right, you're wrong" thing. I'm going to go and sit down with Lauren and I'm going to say, "Listen, this is obviously really upsetting for you. Can you tell me why? Like, like you're obviously really bothered by this. Can can you help me understand what's going on?" And then I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to listen. And I'm going to say things like, tell me more about that. Well, help me understand that. Unpack that for me. You say it's just not fair. What do you mean when you say it's just not fair? Why do you feel that way? You know, and I'm going to try to figure out what I didn't explain well, you know, or what, where is she coming from or what is she committed to? And hopefully she's going to give me what I need to figure out how to move past this. And, um, it may be that she goes, well, it's just not fair because you keep taking these things away and taking these things away. And maybe she's right. Maybe I haven't, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to what she's saying. Maybe, maybe we haven't been increasing our compensation the way that our staff deserves. Uh, but we keep adjusting things to make our practice run more smoothly. And, and from her chair, it does look like she's getting penalized. I I don't, I don't know, but I want to try to honestly hear what she's saying. And let's think about it. Ultimately, uh, I am going to try to, if I need to, re-explain my why. Why did this policy right. change? It's not just because we're trying to short you time off. Like, there's right. a reason for it. But right. I'm going to not discount what she says. I'm going to, again, talk in commonality. Everything that she says that I agree with, I'm going to say back to her. Like, you know, you are right. We do push our staff hard. And we do right. expect a lot from you guys. And it is a hard job that you do. And I'm going to agree with everything that I can agree with. right? And then finally, we're going to try to come up with a compromise. And if this change in policy is something that needs to happen, it may be that we can grandfather this year. You know what I mean? I'm going to say, it sounds like you've got these things, you've sort of these commitments, and you're worried about not being able to meet those commitments that you made to your family or your friends or whatever. Um, right. How about this? We do need to make this change to the hospital. Well, what if we grandfathered you in? to the way we've done it in the past this year. And then that way you can do all the stuff that you need to do. And then next year for you, the policy will go ahead and take effect. Would that right. be okay? You know, And if I do it right, I can, might even have her walking away going, yes, that's great. That's wonderful. I can do my things. And next year uh, it will be different and that's fine. And I might even be able to make her feel good about the policy change. And it's a little bit of flexibility on my part. And, um, and that's it. And so sometimes, sometimes we give, you know, sometimes a policy change, the idea is we need to make this policy change. Do we really need to make it right now today? You know, or do we need to start it so that people are going to be comfortable next year when it really goes into place? Um, those are questions you can ask yourself.
1: Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think that that's really smart. And I think, um, grandfathering maybe is the wrong word because we have to be very careful to when we're making exceptions, um, for the idea of grandfathering someone in, it's a slippery slope, right? Cause if you do it for one person, then you have to be willing to do it for everybody. But maybe you, ha- you recognize, oh, okay. What Lauren is really concerned about is the vacation that she was planning, you know, it, okay. It's what month are we in? It's February. And maybe Lauren had a vacation planned in May. And so now she's super worried about how that's going to impact her two months from now. Well, is it the end of the world if we wait until June for this to go into effect? So maybe we change the policy to say any vacation scheduled prior to, you know, uh, March 15th will be allowed. And the new policy takes effect as of June 1 or whatever it is. Like sometimes you can make those changes. And just clarify it. And sometimes you, your employees will bring things to you because it does personally impact them that you didn't think about. And this is where it comes back to being flexible, being willing to hear them and doing what you can to manage them from a human perspective. And I always like to have a caveat written into those important policies that say that um, there is a subject to, you know, or Um, relating to prior approval from the management. Because there are cases where we need to say, we're going to make an exception to this policy and here's why. You know, if someone's sibling is graduating or someone's, you know, husband is retiring from the military and they want to be there and the policy is going to exclude that, look, these are our people and we care about them. Sometimes we have to break the policy. And so from a leadership perspective, it's important to hear what they have to say and give yourself the flexibility legally, and this is where using an attorney will pay off in spades because you have their brain knowledge to say, "I want to give myself an out if I need one. How do I do that?" Um, right. And have them help you write that so that it's it still um, stands properly legally from a legal perspective, but gives you that out when you need to take it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Cool. Well, I think that's a good. Um, I think that's a good rundown of policy change.
1: I love it. I love it. This is, this, uh, this was a a good one. And I would say, um, to our friend who, um, you know, wrote in and was, was struggling with it. I think, um, the biggest question is it can seem really clear to us and it can seem really plain. The most important thing to remember is that we're people, right. And policies, you're going to have some policies, like you said that, you know, if you have a no smoking policy and nobody on your team smokes, it doesn't matter. But when you, hire that one person that is a smoker um, and maybe is trying to quit. Um, They need, they need your support and they need your help. And so being willing to look at that differently when people are impacted is, is important. And I think is a, is a key to being a true Jedi master kind of manager when you're, when you're willing to acknowledge the humanness and also still being willing to communicate the needs of the business, because at the end of the day, we all know I'm going to say it is business and we have to run it like a business. And even though there are humans involved, I want to take that into account and I still need to make the business run and not go bankrupt. So you have to do what you have to do to protect yourself um, legally and still take into account that you're dealing with humans and you care about them or you wouldn't be there. So, right. um, you know, be willing to, be willing to change and be willing to be flexible and be willing to hear them because really ultimately, that is, it. that is
0: what it's about. Yeah. I would add that no matter how hard we try to empathize and see the world through other people's eyes, we just can't see the world through other people's eyes. We don't know what they have going on. We don't know what they've committed to. We don't know what their ideas are. We don't know what they're experiencing. And so we can't see the world through their eyes. And so we do our best to look out for our people and to be fair And just know that we're not going to get it right every time, and they are going to give us feedback. And some of the feedback, we say, well, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, I can't. This is what we need to do. And some of the feedback, you go, you know what? I think we can accomplish what we set out to accomplish and also accommodate this concern that the staff has. Or we can do something to lay that fear to rest while still accomplishing what we set out to accomplish. And that's just management. It really is. It's, um, if management is always unilateral and you tell your people what's up and that's the end of the story, that's probably not a, a, a super rewarding place for everybody to work. If you that's tell great. your people what's up and they come back, it's funny. A lot of us as leaders, we think that's bad. We feel like we're challenged. Like it's bad that Lauren would tell us, I don't like this. I don't want this. Well, the truth is it's actually good that Lauren would tell us, I don't like this. I don't want this so that we can talk to her. And we can make better policy and we can understand. And and she might be a totally irrational, but she might also be squarely irrational, squarely rational and just upset. And we need to hear that. And so you should get some pushback from your staff and you should listen to them. And uh, and that's what it means to be a a really great practice and a great leader is getting some pushback and listening to it and adjusting your course. Thanks for doing this one with me,
1: Andy. This is this is a fun one.
0: It was super fun. Thanks as always, uh, Stephanie. And thanks for everybody for listening.
1: Yeah. Have a great week, you guys. See you guys. Take
0: Take it easy. And that is our episode gang. I hope you loved it. If you've got questions, as always, fire them away to me and Stephanie. The email address is podcast at UnchartedVet.com. That's podcast at UnchartedVet. Give us enough information so we can work on the problem and get into it. Know some details and specifics. You can give yourself an alias if you want. I always love when people do that. And uh, we will do our absolute best to help you out. Gang, until that day, keep being the veterinarian, vet tech, kennel assistant, front desk person, practice manager, or whoever that our patients deserve. See you later, Mike.